Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, Vol Nation. Welcome to another episode of Believe in Tennessee Football. I'm your host, as always, Kyler Kerbison. Join with Reed Bacon. We got another win. Another one in the win column. Very excited. I uh, thought it was a great game. We go into detail. How the offense looked, how the defense looked, the adjustments that everybody's been talking about. And what are we going to look like versus Ole Miss? What do we need to do to take advantage of this game? And who really needs to step up for us? So very exciting uh, game coming up. Great podcast we just had. So uh, let's jump into it. The game. Snap. The kick is in the air. And the kick this time is no, sir, Reed. No, sir, Reed. Final score. Tennessee 20, Florida 17. Pandemonium reigns. Loads up. Fires long for the end zone. The pass is going to be caught. Tennessee Tennessee wins. By Tennessee, Jawan Jennings. Jennings makes the catch in the end zone on the Hail Mary. Down at the 35, to the 40, to the 45, to the 50, to the 45, to the 40, to the 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. What did he do? All he did was score. Joey Pence. Touchdown on play number one. So before we get into the podcast, got to shout out our number one sponsor, betonline.ag. I say it every week, but that's the place to go to bet on anything. Now that the you know NFL season has started, college football has started, everything is even more exciting when you bet. So if you're looking for the place with the best odds, stats, lines, Bet online is the place to go. Um, you know, go to betonline.ag now or use your mobile device and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So it's the place to go. I mean, you can't get better than that 50% welcome bonus. Um, so before the next big game, go to betonline.ag, sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome in everybody. Uh, super excited for this one today. Reed, I, I'm going to start this off with with one question: Are are we a good football team? Okay, well, I didn't know that was the question we're going to go with. First off, yeah, how are you? Okay, great weekend. Yeah, great weekend. Titans win, Vols win, good church service. All right, great weekend. Let's get <laughs> yeah, into it. I want to get uh, right I do into it. We, I do think, yeah, I do think, uh, I do think we're a good football team. Um, I really do. Uh, they they play fast. They play physical. They've cleaned up the turnovers. They've cleaned up some of the penalties. They play as a unit. Uh, we're well coached. Um, yeah, there's no reason for me to say that they're not a good football team. You you looked like you're about to say a however, so I was I was I was paused there for a second. I wanted to give you the chance, um, but I I'm agree just with insulted you with the dumb. I'm just insult, insulted with the dumb question. I think we're definitely a good football team. No, it's not a dumb question. It's it's. 
I think we're a good football team too. It's everyone else out in the world might not. Everyone might think, you know, we beat the bottom tier of the SEC. So it's not much to, you know, talk about. But that's why I wanted to start with the question. Well, good teams, man. Good teams handle business when they're supposed to. Last week, we were we were not favored. We were the underdogs. We handled business in a major way. This week, we were 10-point favorites at home, and we handled business in a major way. That's what good teams do. And um, let's – let's. I, I, I got a lot here. I got a lot. So, I'm just going to start unpacking this because your boy's hungry and ready to get back to some uh, NFL red zone. Okay. Um, okay. For, 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 first off, first off, number one – I do have things to talk about the game, but there's, I feel like this week there's a lot of extra stuff. Uh, first thing is, is Al Wilson. Um, if before we started getting as many views as we have now and subscribers and, and all that, we did do a podcast, which was very enjoyable and fun to do uh, back in the winter time when it's just slow. And we argued who are our favorite. Um, I guess we did the, who were the best players. I even forget. Was it best? So we did the players? top five balls over the past 25 years. Uh, so it went back, okay, to, that's right. went back to 95. Yes, yes. And my number one was Al Wilson, A, because I do believe he was the most important. And my, my number one argument against, like, Peyton Manning was that, uh, in my opinion, Al Wilson's the reason that we won the national championship. Uh, he was that leader of that team. Um, but, but go back and listen to that pod. It's a good pod. The, the fact that Al Wilson, uh, was honored this weekend. And I know a lot of people listen to this like, Oh, Al's one of my favorites. He's great. He's this, he's that. I almost got a little pissed off seeing all the love for Al. Cause I'm like, bro, I've been carrying this flag, like really carry, really carrying this flag since I was little, like yeah. when I was like in middle school or high school and and I got you know I was even following him when he went to the Broncos like became a Broncos fan because they had him uh second team besides the Titans but you know and he doesn't get enough credit for how good he was in the NFL and so he was really one of the main reasons that I just fell in love with with football in general he was the reason I wore 27 um when I went to Memphis 27 was taken by one of my good buddies John MacArthur who was another safety so I got 26 um for uh, Sean Taylor. So, um, but uh, that's not bad company. Al Wilson, Sean Taylor. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I'm not, I'm not the fastest and not the most athletic. So I just got to bring the wood the best I can (laughs) be, be a little ankle biter. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but, but the fact that he got inducted in the hall of fame and he got all the recognition that he rightfully deserves and he still deserves some they should retire his number he needs to be up in the in in, uh kneeling someday but the 27 on the on the field leading the ball walk all that stuff like he's my favorite football player of all time and the funny thing is is how small knoxville is and all my connections the ut and getting to be around the program and stuff like i've actually never met him I, I hope that I can. Uh, one thing that we are going to talk about is you being on campus this weekend. I know you had your sideline passes, which you uh, took me on the sideline a couple times over your past years. And so I, I guess you can take Brianne, your wife. One. <laughs> so it would have been a good It, it might have been weird. You and I were joking on the phone. I called you say, hey, how's the atmosphere? How's everything looking? And I was like, did you see Al? And you're like, yeah, he's over there. I'm like, well, good thing I'm not there because I, you know, had like sexually assaulted him or something. <laughs> 
you might have you might have fanboyed a little bit too much. Pass out, you know. It got kind of hot out there, so we got to. I'm going up, just grabbing his arms and his traps and his chest, just just feeling him up the whole time. Yeah, God, freaking needy man. I love you. I, it's so funny, man. I used to watch, there's a great video that someone put together on YouTube of, it was him and Leonard Little highlights. And I found it when I was in high school, would watch it every Thursday night, every Friday before games, would watch it randomly, would watch it when I was in Memphis. It was just like, I could watch it to this day and it would, I would run through a wall and just light somebody up because uh, of how he plays and how everything that he embodied. So I loved Al. I love Al. I'm happy he got his recognition this weekend. He still deserves more. Uh, second thing is the black jerseys. Um, I'm going to let you kind of take this one because you absolutely loved them. Uh, yeah, I, I I love it as a former player because it's something that just, I mean, it, it makes it different, you know, when you're going out there. And it, it really, like, it really does give you confidence being in a, in something different. Like, that's not to say that, you know, wearing orange jerseys, white pants is a bad look or wearing all white is a bad look. I think they're great looks, but I think just changing it up every now and then, it doesn't have to be like a, you know, this is our new home uniform. Like it's just like a, a one-off, but it, it gets you pumped. It gets you excited. It, it, it makes you feel heard as a player that, that your coaches care enough to do that for you. And like when I, when we had the gray jerseys, I absolutely loved it. I played the best game I ever played in the gray jerseys, which I've talked about that George game my last year. And it's just something that I think players deserve. I don't, I don't think it's ruining any kind of tradition um, or anything like that. I mean, we have plenty of traditions. We have traditions that were created not that long ago that, you know, started with, with Johnny majors and he was a coach. So it's like, you can create new traditions. You can, you know, add new things uh, to your program. I mean, like Wisconsin, like one of their most famous traditions is jump around at the end of the third quarter. Jump around came out in the nineties, man. Wisconsin has been a school since 1800s. Like it's okay to have new things integrated into your program. And I, I absolutely loved them. I thought they were swaggy as hell. I thought the players played like they were excited to be in them. They were so pumped up. And that video of him showing off Chris Walker at at practice and the guys getting to see the uniforms, like that's it. Like that, that, that should be proof enough that this is a good thing that happened. Uh, I'm I'm I love them. Uh I don't know because someone asked me if I like the gray ones that I wore or these better. I think I might like these better. Like I, I really wish I would have got the opportunity to wear these because I love the gray ones. I love like the smoky mountains that were on the gray helmets. I love the com color combination that we put into it. Um, but man, that black just looks so cool. And it's so like with the theme of, you know, October getting into spooky season. I just, I had such a great time just seeing all those guys out there. Yeah, you you called me. We were talking on uh, 
I guess it might have been Wednesday, the day that the pod was about to come out, and you saw them, and you were just like, I, we were on the phone, you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, have you seen these? I was like, no, I haven't seen them yet. And you're like, dude, they're incredible. Like, I love them. I'm like, I literally said, all right, calm down, guy. Like, you know, whatever. But hey, no, I, I, I love your perspective. I love hearing it. Like you said, if it's something little that you can do for the team, like, why the hell not do it? Like, if you're a coach, it's like so stuck in the mud and just the lame and you just, like, won't do stuff for your players like that, like, kick rocks. Like, that's that's just lame. Yeah. But um, I, I I will surprise you and say that we we all – well, you know that the all-whites are my favorite. I, I love basically anybody's all-whites. I think they're just so, so clean, so fresh. I love those. Um, so, I will – but I will surprise you and say that I still like the all-gray more than the all-black, only, only because it's full gray helmet – pants and 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 i get it when when we get the whole uh with with all the logistics and all the crap going on with everything still backed up because of covid and all the um different things like that and everything on backward and all this so we weren't able to get the black helmets but when they go when they go all black you know and i think maybe for a night game too i think that'll be really sick but i just i like the grays a little bit better um, so yeah, I, I was happy with it. I was happy with it. And it, these people that think it's gimmicky and stuff like your clowns, it's not gimmicky. Like it's, it, it's, you know, it's, we're not basing our entire foundation on new jerseys. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we're not, you know, it's, it's not like we're running a gimmicky program. It's just, it's, it's new uniforms. Like if the name of the game is to win games and to win games, you need good players and get good players. You got to recruit well. So if the recruits like it, whatever, like who cares? Yeah. So, um, so the next thing that I want to talk about real quick is why I'm wearing this Memphis, my Memphis shirt. So this is a UT pod. Um, I'm a huge UT fan. Uh, as you guys know, I played Memphis, uh, played football down at Memphis for a short time. The reason I'm wearing this shirt is because this is where I grew my absolute disdain and hate for Ole Miss. Growing up, like Ole Miss was nothing to me. It was just whatever. Um, you know, I, I can't stand Florida. We've talked about that. I can't stand Kentucky, uh, Bama. I don't. I don't like them. But it's, <laughs> you know, what am I going to do about it? <laughs> what are we going to do about it until Saban's gone? So, but I've always just really, when I moved down there and I went to school there, and you live in Memphis, and Memphis is a very big melting pot. It's Tennessee fans, Mississippi State fans, Ole Miss fans, Arkansas fans, Bama fans. It's a little bit of everything. But Ole Miss just feels so entitled and lame and just they do a walk of champions they've literally never won a championship of anything like they had Archie Manning and Eli like okay like sweet you know like but but like you're you're not you're nothing as a program like you're known for the Grove which is just a big party nasty field like mosh pit area like there's nothing about Ole Miss that I that I like I mean someone made a good point. Like you don't see like really a lot of like older old Miss fans. It's yeah. always just a bunch of frat dudes and frat there and sorority girls like getting drunk and partying and stuff. And like, you know, it's just like, that's just what they are. It, and it's just like, it's just, for me, it's just so lame. They're just super annoying. They, like I said, like they're just, they're just not good. And, and the only time they've actually been good besides when Archie or like Eli was around you know, you want to go to when Hugh Freeze was there. And, yes, I do think Hugh Freeze is a good coach, and I would love Hugh Freeze at UT. Well, I, I argued with you that I would love to see him there at UT. I love Heifel now. I, 
I'm very, very happy with Heupel. We're very lucky to have him. I would want him over Hugh Freeze because he's, he's a, you know, like the type of guy he was. Like I've, I've said multiple times on this podcast, like if you got to cheat to win, you got to cheat to win. But like, A, don't get caught. And plus, he's just scum, like the whole cheating on his wife, prostitute stuff. Like, you know, just go play, play go play, pay some players. Like, don't just be all that nonsense. So, um, and, and that was only when they were good and they paid for AJ and they paid for Kandichi and they paid for, uh, what's his name, the left tackle, uh, Larry Tunzel. Tunzel, Treadwell. I mean, they paid for everybody. Now it's the most perfect thing for them is they have Lane Kiffin. And Lane Kiffin is the perfect fit for that school. He is the absolute perfect fit for that school. Now, I was a big, big, big Kiffin fan when he was here, and I defended him for a long time after he left because I said he, he can coach ball. Like, he knows how to coach offense. Like, and offense is really what matters now. But as I've gotten older and I've seen it and I just watch how he carries himself and acts, the one thing I don't like about him is how he's, he's a me guy. He wants that attention. He loves that stuff. Like the tweets, the the trolling. Yeah. The, Get your popcorn about, ready. It, bingo. That was the next thing I was going to say. Like he says that and, 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 and does that. Like when your team is about to go play, like you can say that ready to your team to get them fired up and go and show that you have confidence in them. But say that crap and then try to stare down the C- – like it was rude to the CBS reporter and then try to stare down the TV like you're some hard-ass bro. Like, bro, you're a clown. Like – Half of like half of America could beat your ass because you're just you're dead. You know what I mean? Like you're yeah. a silver spooner. He is a good he is a good offensive mind, but he's a punk and he's a me guy. And you can't have somebody being a leader of men when they're more focused on them. And all the stuff he does on the sideline, the throwing the clipboard, the running with his hands up, he does that because he knows the camera's going to be on him. Like you don't see Hypel doing that. Hypel is a better coach than Kiffin is. And you don't see him doing crap like that. And so it's just all that with Kiffin going there and just how their fans are and how they act. And how, it's just like, it's they're the perfect marriage. And that's why I just can't stand them. And that's why I want to win this game so bad on Saturday. Like, I, I, I want this more than anything. I probably do want this more than Kentucky now. Um, just how everything's lining up. But anyways, I, that, that's, yeah. I just, that's why I'm wearing – that's why I'm wearing the – this because down there is when I learned I couldn't stand them and I remember it was like I was like a year or two removed so I knew still a bunch of the guys on there Ole Miss came into Memphis and when Fuente was down there and they got beat they were like 18th or 17th or whatever and they came down there with Kamdichi with AJ Brown with Larry Tunzel Memphis beat them and it was it was electric it was crazy so um but anyways I'm glad I'm glad you're very fired up Reed's actually gonna probably go to the game uh, this coming week. So hold on, hold on. I've already got tickets and I got them in section A. So hope you got some bond money ready. <laughs> yeah, come come find him. <laughs> no, no, section A. Section A is the old miss section. Oh no. Oh Reed, please don't get in a fight. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. I know you're getting fired up for next week, but let's talk about this week. Let's talk about the game we just had versus South Carolina you know, break it all down offense, defensively, what we're thinking, what we're seeing. Um, overall, I'm I'm just so happy where we're at right now. I, I felt the astronomical turnaround that Coach Heupel has done 
from this offseason is insane. Um, if we go, if we go six and six this year and we beat South Alabama and Bandy and we lose all the other games, that is still a good year for a first year head coach who just dealt with 30 plus transfers. Like that is a very good year. Now that we've won these past two games, the expectation is very high. The pressure is on. And I really don't want people to get down on him if we do lose to Ole Miss, if we do lose to Kentucky, um, that like, oh, he's actually not a good coach. He still is a good coach. It's just it, it is very tough to win the SEC, especially with dealing with injuries and the stuff you got to deal with. That being said, Saturday – was such a fun experience. I loved being there, getting to watch the game. I just rewatched it. And the amount of excitement that the players had, that the coaching staff had, that the fans had was intoxicating. That that's exactly how I want Tennessee to feel at all times. So I'm so excited about that. Let's get into the offense and talk about it more specifically. Um I thought this offense performance was amazing. It was another just let me show you exactly what I can do as as offensive mind in in Hypel. The second touchdown to Peyton was absolutely unbelievable play design. I loved it. I, I'm gonna try and put it on the YouTube. It but it was the fake outside zone run that we've run with Hooker before. He stops, throws it across the field to Peyton, just on a seam from the other side. Touchdown. Uh, the first touchdown to Hyatt. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we jump off that play. So I also have notes on that play. Hell of a play design. But it's – and they're one of the things I wanted to went back and look. It's the same formation that we ran later in the game for the seam route to uh, Valus Jones. And it was also the same route combination that Javante scored on last week. Ah. So, so it's the exact same where you bring on YouTube, if you're watching, just run that nice little seam, and we're going to bring right kind of not a drag and not a post, but kind of that deep just, uh, you know, crossing routes. Yeah, like a dig. And it holds – well, yeah, like a yeah, dig without a speed turn, but it holds that safety. And they did it there with the wrinkle of let me roll to the right, act like I'm running, pop up, good throw. And like I said, they run it later in the game on that big, it was like third and whatever, and, and Bayless Jones is in the slot, and he just bodies his guy out. And he, the guy's in pretty good coverage, but he can't come through you or it's P.I. And Hendon puts it on him. Continue. Sorry, I just want to say that. Yeah, so just – I mean, that – um, uh, you know, getting Jalen high at the ball. Hey, hey, you, you said he was missing. Let's call the cops, call the FBI, and we found him. Um, he he actually, you know, got some stuff. I thought, I thought the offensive line played great. I thought Tyon played amazing. I thought there was a, a good amount of pressures that happened that he reacted to coming off the play fake and just like aborting the play fake and going to get the block which is great to see out of a running back, just realizing, hey, this isn't important anymore. I got to get this this blitz pickup. Um, Jacob Warren, I, I thought he played great. He might not have had any catches, but, like, his blocking, he was meeting linebackers in the hole, 
which I love because sometimes like tight ends aren't, you know, they don't have that fullback mindset, but they have to play fullback in these kind of spread offenses. And he was just throwing his head in there, which I absolutely like. I love that, that he just didn't care. He's like, I'm going to go block this SOB and he's, he's not going to get through to the running back. Um, I, I, there's just so much stuff. I think, uh, I think, Heupel has a lot of coaching points uh, for Hooker. I think there was a – there was Hooker had an amazing day. Don't get me wrong. Great day. But there are definitely plays out there that I'm sure you saw too where it's like, okay, let's think about this. What could you have done better here? You know, why did you do this? The, you know, third and I think it was like five or six where he's rolling out and has – uh, Bayless in the flats, but then throws it on the ground. Mm-hmm. And Heupel immediately started coaching him up, like, hey, listen, like, you have legs. If you don't think it's there, try and run for it, you know, all that kind of stuff. The, you know, clock management when we're, you know, driving before the half, and instead of throwing it away when he doesn't have anything, he tries to run off to the side, and then he runs out of bounds backward. Like, it's just like there was a lot of things that could be cleaned up some throwaways that should have happened. Like he should have just gotten rid of the ball, ended up taking a sack on some plays. Um, but I, I'm very happy. I, I I'm very happy with what the offense did. And, you know, I want to get into, you know, things that can be corrected. I don't want to like jump the boat there and, and like get into all that stuff. Um, so what did you see out of the offense? What did you see that you liked, you know, whether it be some play designs or just some play from, from the guys? One of the first things that I noticed is I was like, I was thinking back to like when Butch was here or when to Pruitt was here and when we would run the the little wide receiver screen, you got two people out to one side or three and it's the basic, hey, right when it's snapped, turn around and look and we're going to get it out to you. Why is Hypel so much more effective? And I was like, I, I don't understand this. Like, what's he doing? Now, granted, I don't remember 100%, so and I didn't pull the film from those guys, but I was like – I made sure to watch it, rewind it for, for Heupel. But one thing that I'm noticing is he does play action with it. And our run is so effective right now that they do respect it. And that quick play action gives us just enough time, at least, at least for this game, people. Like, like I said, I haven't done deep dive on every screen we've run, every wide receiver screen that we've run and all the ones that Butch approved it. But for me, I'm like, bro, every time it's either four or five yards or we're going for like, 12 to 30 to the house. I will say and, this. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I wanted to mention it, but the blocking by the yes. wide receivers and tight ends yes. is incredible. Uh, the the yes. amount of effort they're putting into blocking and the amount of selflessness that they have in that to say, I'm gonna let my I'm gonna let my boy eat. I'm gonna block yes. the crap out of this guy so my boy can eat, not me, some someone else is right. That's what that's what makes the play. So keep going. And, and, and uh, one of the plays that was a great design, uh, and I can talk about it now, but it was just Velas is the – he was the third. Princeton Fant was second, and Tillman was third. On TV, you don't even see Tillman at all until he's 40 yep. yards downfield blocking. So this, is, like, this is the touchdown this to go is later to in the game. What? Was this the touchdown to go to 28? I uh, maybe or might have been a little bit later, but yeah, we're going. Uh, if you're watching on TV, we're going left to right, 
and um, so towards the Jumbotron, and it's just a little play action. The South Carolina guy's super late getting to, to Valus because he runs like an out route. Mm-hmm. It's like a little baby out route, and the next thing you see is Princeton, and he goes up, and I don't know if Princeton did the whole like like run and curl and show your hands like a little like pick play, or if you just went straight block. But but Velas catches it and turns up field, and, and you immediately know. Like I was sitting watching, I was like, bro, he's about to score, just because you know him with the ball in his hands and there's no one around him. And the next thing you see is Cedric Tillman, literally like thirty or forty yards downfield, and just block mauling his guy. Yeah. And I didn't even know he was on that side because the screen, like it was, you see like the score and the time before you see the. So it wasn't a really good job by ESPN, but yeah. And so yes, the blocking was great, and you have to have that to make these – I can honestly feel comfortable saying that the outside perimeter blocking is one of the most important things for this offense because one of the most important things for this offense is the quick wide receiver screens, quick hitches, quick all that stuff. So if you're not blocking well on the outside, that stuff's not effective, which affects the entire offensive game plan and what he's trying to do. Yep. Um, and I remember – I remember. Um, being around like our passing game coordinator, our offensive coordinator and stuff like that. And a lot of these coordinators use, they call the quick pass plays or the screen plays extension of the run game. That's what some of these offensive offense coordinators think. So it's that important. But so I went and watched and just the quick play action to give them enough time to hold. And it could have just been what South Carolina is doing and what some of these other teams are doing or like splitting the difference between the tackle or the tight end and the, and the third receiver. And so he's kind of playing the difference. Well, when he plays that difference, if he takes one or one and a half steps in and then him throwing it out and he's got a bum rush back over there to try to make it, like, you're already beat. Mm-hmm. And so I I just don't – I didn't understand why South Carolina did not – it was always like if there was man-to-man or, excuse me, only like one receiver or it always seemed like on South Carolina's sideline – that they would play a little bit more press, but then they were given like damn like 10, 11, 12 yards of these receivers. And I'm like, are you really that scared of getting beat deep? Because we'll just nickel and dime you. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know why. And that's one thing I'm going to watch about Ole Miss and some of these games coming up. Like if it was me, like I'm pressing these guys up, like make somebody beat us deep. So, but anyways, um, I just, I I thought it's neat that he's doing those little play actions on those screens. Um, Tyon is Awesome. We really, really need him to be healthy. We really need Jabari Small to be healthy. I like Lenneth Whitehead. Um, he just he's just not anywhere close to being as good as one of these guys. Like he's more of just like he gets it and just puts his head down and tries to bowl forward. And it's like, yeah. what what are you doing? Like I, I respect it. Like you're running hard, but like, bro, you just got three yards when you know, compared to Jabari or Tyon, they get it. Blah blah make a guy miss, <laughs> then they run physical, then they run hard, and it's like I just felt like when he came in the game, it was like two or three yards compared to when those other guys were hitting five or six or seven. Yeah, it's almost, like, it's almost like he takes the fact that this is exactly where the ball's supposed to hit, and he just runs there and doesn't think Bingo. that, like, hey, it might shift a little bit. He's just like, oh, it's supposed to be a gap. I'm just going to run there yeah. and see what and, happens. And that, yeah, and so I don't know if we're going to see where Jalen Wright is or Jabari Small or – Hopefully, Ty and Evans, we really need Evans and Small, or at least one of them this upcoming week, because I did not feel great about Lynn Whitehead. Um, Hendon Hooker still is impressing me. He's playing well. Uh, offensive line played fine. Ollie Lane is still – he's just going to give up 
one or two bad plays in pass pro. I mean, my God. That I think, one I think honestly, I think the first sack, the first sack we had was on him. And yeah, it was, it looked terrible. I don't know wa- what happened. Watching it, it looked like he thought it was a different play. Like it okay. literally looked yeah. like he thought can, it was going to be a double team between him and the tackle. Up to, like it looked like he was on the front side of power counter. Yeah. With, okay. with the steps that he took, the fact that he went forward and he didn't even punch his hands, he like, through his shoulder, it literally looked like he thought it was a run play. So I don't know what kind of miscommunication happened, but that that's obviously something on him because ten other guys knew what the play was. Right, it, and it, and it just looked terrible, like you said. Like it looked like he just got straight whipped and got. But it makes more sense that it was probably just a, a, a missed assignment. Um, but um, yeah, I thought receivers played well. It's so funny that this is now the second time that we record on a Sunday. And we make points about stuff. And then the coaches come out on Tuesday when they're media, and I screenshot and I send it to you. And this week, literally what I said last week is like, yo, I don't know what this team is doing if they're trying to build depth or they're just trying to find their bona fide starters. And freaking Tuesday comes out, and Alec Gold's just like, yeah, we are just now finding our bona fide starters. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, we were just talking about that. So, and I, because I sent you that screenshot of uh, a tweet that a reporter had put out that he said that. And I was like, that's so funny. But, um, so it looks like we, we've maybe found like our, our bona fide starters at a, a lot of these positions. And, um, and then the other guys will be more rotation guys, you know, instead of high being a starter, it looks like he's going to be more of a rotation guy. And so, okay. um, but, but offensively, um, yeah, I was, I mean, I was fine with everything. I did go and really make sure to lock in and watch the, the first two or three offense possessions after halftime because it just looked like we were stalled out. And and that's when I really noticed Laneith Whitehead, like not running maybe like he should or not as good as those other guys. Um, we had a little bit of protection problems. I mean, hell, we got a third and one, and then we could have easily probably gone for it and gotten the fourth and one, but we're up 38 to seven. So I do think there was a little bit of that um, 38 to seven or 38, 14. I yeah. mean, the fake – I was so annoyed on on TV having to hear about Beamer ball this, Beamer ball that. And I felt like Shane Beamer or whatever his name is got so much TV time. And then their freaking special teams goats got so much TV time. I'm like, guys, they're getting beat 38 to seven. Like, I know you got to talk about something, but like <laughs> these clowns. And then they run the, 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 it was annoying to see that they completed that fake uh, punt because we were in like prevent. We were in safe, yeah, and like yeah. the corner, just like the, I don't know what corner it was, whether it was or it was Burrell Warren, it was Warren Burrell. Or, okay, that's who I thought it was, and he just like stands there, kind of jogs back, and then he realizes like, oh crap, and so that's where that's a great teaching point this week. They're like that you have to be locked in at all times. If this is a bigger game, that's that that can make us change momentum and, and lose a game. But yep. so that was annoying, and then his second half, I just felt like. I just felt like it was some execution stuff, some lack of that fire. You know, they know they won the game, basically. Like, you know, you still got to go out there and play, but, you know, they know it's kind of over. So that's a good teaching point that, hey, you got to play for 60 minutes no matter what. And, um, yeah, offensively, though, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with, with what I saw, you know, yeah. just cleaned up a little bit of execution in the second quarter or second half. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was something I, I really wanted to look at. And, because the connotation was, oh, Hypel pulled his foot off the gas, right? Like he he was the one that like didn't want to try things, didn't want to do anything. He didn't want to get anybody hurt. Da 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 da. I don't think that was the case. 
I think maybe like not going for it on fourth down, yes, but the play designs and the, and the plays he's calling is not, oh, I'm I'm being cautious. Like they ran a, a direct snap direct snap on play. Yeah, like so you don't you don't do that if you're being timid and holding things back. They ran a fake running back screen and then a wide receiver screen to the other side, like faked yeah. it to the left, tried to hit the wide receiver receiver screen on the other side with Cade pulling out as a lead blocker and missed on it. But it's right. like in no way is he it's execution. Yeah, yeah. There's no way he's like pulling the reins and be like, no, 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 no. We're not going to try anything because we're up by right. a lot. It's just execution. It's just the guys really getting the job done and be able to do what they need to do out there. So, you know, like you said, the first two drives, first drive, it was a three and out. We didn't yep. go for it on fourth down because obviously we're up 38 to seven and yep. it's, Three run plays, which I don't have any problem with. They don't get the yardage that we need. Blocking's not as perfect. The second drive, uh, we have a screen out to the out to the side to Valus Jones on on first down. He gets tackled right away. It's like minus one yard. Then there's a safety blitz on second down. Running back doesn't pick it up. He gets caught up in the offensive line. Doesn't see it. Yeah, Most it wasn't. It, it, yeah, it wasn't a safety blitz. It was the corner, and I think he was coming up. He realized the back didn't go out, and so he just came because it was like yeah, the late thing. I, most, that, like, I think I think the back missed him because we went so fast. The defense wasn't even lined up, so he didn't right. even know. Yes, yes. Yeah. running back didn't even know pre-snap that he was coming. So yeah. it was just like a you didn't see it because we were moving so fast as an offensive player. So right. a sack on second makes it third and sixteen. And we do a draw to the running back. He gets 10 yards and then we punt. So it's just like, I, I understand the letting the foot off the gas because the people are concerned because the four games that I lost my senior year where we're up at halftime and then we lost those games. It's, we let the foot off the gas. We did, you know, we pulled back, but I in no way think that's what Heupel did. Um, Agreed completely. Agreed completely. The, you you still know, have to execute. Yeah, it's just all, all about the execution. I, do, you know, I do want to move to defense. Obviously, there's a little more things in offense I want to talk about, though. The drive before halftime. Now, a few games ago, he had a drive before halftime where people were upset, not sure why he didn't take timeouts, all that kind of stuff. What did you think about the drive? Was did you think it was like he, you know, managed the clock well? He did what he was supposed to do. Any any qualms with with what happened? No, I was fine. What was that? Where we just got the field goal? Yes, uh, that was where we got the yeah. field goal. My thing yes. was, I, I I agreed with what he did, what he was trying to do. I had mentioned earlier. What was Hooker. the what was the play before the field goal? Hooker, he tried to he tried to he was in the pocket. He got flushed out, and then he ended up just like running and running out of bounds. Which was like a very oh, yeah, weird yeah, 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 play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, where it's yeah. like, hey, throw it to the end zone to see what happens, or throw it out of the end zone and maybe save yeah. some more time to where you can run another play before the field goal because you had another timeout. But there were he called two timeouts during that thing. Yep. And those timeouts, like the first one, he let the clock go down another eight seconds. And then the second one, he let the clock go down another two seconds. So he lost 10 seconds on the clock by being indecisive. That's the kind of things where, you know, we talk about 
coaching points for Ollie, coaching points for, you know, Jalen Wright, for Hendon Hooger. Hey, coaching point for Coach Heupel, you got to be better at that, right? You got to be decisive. If you want to call a timeout right there, call that thing as soon as the guy lands on the ground, run up to the ref and give him the tee. Like, you got you to be better at that because those 10 seconds, I mean, think about it. If Hendon runs out of – he ran out of bounds with two seconds left, we kick the field goal. He runs out of bounds with 12 seconds left. Get another couple shots. Yeah, yeah I, you get I, another I couple you, shots. So, yeah. hey, little things, we're up 35 to 7. So, it's not like the game was over because he did that. But just like we call out everybody else, call out little things that need to be corrected on the coaching staff. And that and that's yeah. that's one of them. Yeah, I respect I respect your opinion there. I mean, I, it doesn't bother me. What I, I mean, we got points, and and where we were at in the game, I uh, a field goal is fine. I mean, I wasn't worried about it. So yeah, maybe if it was, I I, I feel you. You know, maybe if that happens in another closer game, it, it bothers me. Um, yeah. Did you say you want to jump to defense yet? Yeah, it's one more thing, just to okay, shout I, out, just to uh, shout out the offense yeah, is okay. zero turnovers versus the th- number three team in the nation in creating turnovers. Yeah. Yeah. Before we, before, so before we, be, yes, before we jump off, I do have just a couple more things of my items I wrote down would be, um, I was happy. Like you said, I know you said hi earlier. I was happy to see him in. I was happy to see him get that, that touchdown catch. And that was for a guy who's had some drops. Like that wasn't an easy routine, like break in slant. The guy's a yard, yard and a half behind him and Hinden no, puts, in, puts it in his belly. No, it was, Guy on his back, had to use his hands, had to be physical. So it was good catch, and it was good to see that. Um, I was a freaking 160 yards away, and as soon as he caught that, I was like, holy shit, that was a hell of a catch. I was in the opposite very, end zone in the stands and was like, how the hell did he catch that? Yeah, great. It was very, very, very good catch. Very good catch. I loved the direct snap that you brought up. That was one of my favorite plays that I would run in NCAA, like 2000, like, I don't even know, like, Six, nine, seven. Two, two, yeah, like one of those. Like I, I swear, I think I was in middle school, but it was an amazing play, and I would run it all the time. And I don't know why people don't do it more often. And then, of course, my guy, hype, the hype train does it. I'm like, I love it. And it's just so small and little. Like, go ahead and just get the ball in our, in 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 Tyron Evans' hands. Like, don't waste any time. And I love that it's like in this day and age of football, like the quarterbacks do look to the other side and they kind of look for stuff. So I thought it was a nice little wrinkle. Like it's a run play, but it's a nice little wrinkle and any wrinkle that you can do um, to give an advantage to yourself is awesome. Love that play. I also thought it was a really neat play where you had Princeton fan at quarterback, Hendon hooker to the side of him. And then I think it was Jalen Wright, maybe, or not Jalen Wright, Jalen Hyatt, or maybe, Oh, it's Velas Jones, I think. And so you snap it to Princeton fan. He hands it to Hendon. So you have Hendon going left, and then he turns around and does the reverse and tosses to Velas. Well, now you have Velas going, and it's like, oh, wait. Well, I was Prince of Fan at quarterback. It's like, oh, because now I have Prince of Fan as a lead blocker, and they had Javante Payton as a blocker. So I thought that was really a great little wrinkle, great little play. Does he run it again this year and maybe have a pass off of it? I don't know. But it was good for 10, 12, 15 yards, whatever it was. And it was it was good little a good little wrinkle. I like to see that. And here's something uh, that you know some fans might not realize is plays like that, they can be used in two different ways. One is I'm going to adjust off of this and do something different with it. And yeah, two, I'm never going to use this 
ever again, but every single team that we play has to prepare for it. So they have to spend time in which they could prepare for something else to prepare for this. And I'm never going to use it. So it's just something that you can get two great things out of it. And sometimes coaches do that. Well, they'll throw a play in there and be like, we're going to do this. So they have to prepare for it. That's why teams would do the extra points and have the guys split out to start and then run in and line up and then kick the extra point. Literally did that so that coaches had to prepare for whatever would happen if they were split out. Yes. And they just have to spend time doing that. It's all, it's all that little, that little nuance. It's all that little mind game. That's right. There's a lot, there's a lot more that goes into it than just, Hey, let's run and pass the ball. So I'm looking here. I think the picture that I took uh, on, I actually took an offensive picture was, I think it was that screenplay I was talking about to Bayless and where Princeton fan blocked well and stuff like that. So I, I'll send you that picture and you can, so the fans can see like how far off they were playing and like just the spacing that we had. Um, but anyways, I think that's pretty much for me on offense. So we can jump to defense if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Let's jump to defense. Um that works for me. I don't think I have anything else in my notes. Uh, nice. There you go. About, about do you want, do you want to go so, first on D? Do you want to go first on D or do you I'll want to go, go first I'll on go, D or do you want me to go? I can, I can go first on D. That, that, that's All right, fine. Go um, so, first off, I, I thought of all the games that we played this year and we always, you know, give big, big props to our defense for their tackling, for their coming up. Um, being aggressive and everything, I thought this was the most violent our defense has played all year. I thought there were multiple times where people were – I mean, guys were just trying to get big hits on dudes and trying to punish people, and I love to see it. That that That's – people don't realize just how taxing it can be when you're just getting hit over and over and over by somebody – and the physical toll it can take on you. So that in and of itself, just being a violent group while they're out there excites me. Absolutely love it. So a, a fan tweeted us because we did not call out two guys to watch for in this game on our last podcast. And he wanted to know. I told him before the game started, I said, either Theo or uh, uh, Slaughter because of that position and because of the fact South Carolina likes to get their running backs involved in the pass game. And neither of them played. Brandon Turnage got the start and he balled out. And all I got to say, and you said it last week, is that has to be the most fun position to play. I mean, the fact you get to be all over the field, that you get to blitz, you get to get in run support, you get to be the guy on the screens. Like, it's just – you get to go draw back in coverage. You get to cover that curl flat area. It's just it, it is has to be the best position out there. I mean, guy had 14 tackles, two tackles for loss. He was all over the place. Um, I thought we improved on a lot of stuff too. Where I said last week, I thought the defensive line didn't do well versus screens. This week they improved. It was I didn't see any in betweeners. I saw getting after the quarterback or getting back to the screen. There, there was nothing – there was no, like, standing around. You you, you pick one or the other. Um, I was happy with Banks 
until that personal foul. And I was about to like, heck yeah, man, we're about to give you a good letter grade. Can't wait to talk about it on the podcast. And then he just had to hit the dang quarterback. I swear that man has just like an attraction to personal fouls. He just cannot help himself. Um, but I guess that might happen when you play balls to the wall. Um, uh, let's see. Hey, the interception in the end zone on the running back pass, like we said last week, no one runs more double passes, passes with different position players than against us. And we defended it, got an interception off of it. I was so happy to see it. It was definitely a um, reaction, like a better reaction play because I think running back threw a bad ball and we were able to react to it very well because if he would have thrown it sooner, the buddy was open. So it's still something we need to improve on, but it was good to see that that didn't happen. Um, and then obviously was going to bring up the Warren Burrell punt safe, but we kind of already talked about that. And that is a great teaching point. And it's something that guys need to understand, even when you are up that much, the game is still happening. They can still take advantage of you. So you got to be locked in at all times. When you, since you just mentioned Warren Burrell, I will say, the one thing, and I'm going to be, I'm going to try to be quick again with this on defense because I actually did watch a good amount of the Arkansas Ole Miss game flipping back and forth. And it's so funny that, like, I know I'm going to be rewatching the UT game. So there's times where I'm like watching it, score checking, but like I maybe allow myself to like, you know, cook something while I'm watching or like flip over to another game I might have money on because like I know I'm going to deep dive it. So one thing that I think that I will be talking about Ole Miss is they're going to be testing these corners all week next week. And I was happy to see how Warren Burrell played the one deep shot they took out on, took on him. I thought he was in position. I thought he did a good job. He didn't PI. He was there. Good position. Okay, great. Yep. So that made me feel pretty good. I did tell you when I called you that morning that neither of us knew that Theo or Danico Slaughter were playing. I was like, I'll be surprised to see who's playing there. I really liked Brandon Turnage when we were at practice. Yeah. Um, I definitely thought he was more of an outside corner when I watched him. And so I was a little surprised when they said he was starting. I told you on the phone that I would not have been surprised if they put Alante there and put and have the outside as Kenneth George and Warren Burrell or Warren Burrell and Brandon Turnage. Because uh, I do think Alante would absolutely feast at that position because he's just so physically gifted, like his speed and his instincts. And he's just got that quick nose. But he's a little, bit, big, played, he's a little bit bigger than those other guys, too. Right. And so Brandon, uh, Brandon played well. He, he played well. He was uh, he was in position. He made the plays when he needed to. I'm not going to say I, I'll just be honest. I don't think he flashed as much as Danico or Theo do. And that's OK. Um, but he still played well. And then. My favorite thing that I saw in the entire defense is when South Carolina was driving down and they were getting a little bit of momentum and it was 14 to zero, but they're driving down and it was like second down or third down and they looked like they were about to score, but the defense didn't quit and they, they made a tackle. I think it might have been like Solon Page and like Trey Flowers, maybe is who I think it was. And so that was the first. So that 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 was the first down to get first and goal. 
you know, like, dang, man, they're already right here. And it's going to be four. And, you know, they got four downs. Like, you're pretty much thinking, like, all right, they're going to punch it in. Well, no, the next play, uh, Beasley shoots up, makes a heck of a play. Caleb's there. Uh, I think Tank was there. I mean, we have hey, like, that, they, right that was the uh, the Wildcat. Yeah, correct, correct. Direct snap. Bro, I, I was in that end zone watching Beasley. And yes. I'm thinking, I'm thinking that he this was film study didn't even i mean not an inkling towards the handoff he immediately saw the running back going left and ran right like in yeah. first step was to the right he well, was like will- this guy's keeping it i know he is and he freaking took off there was no hesitation in his step could- at all that that could be film study it could also be coaching and the reason i say that is because when i did play linebacker I was taught each week that sometimes my, 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 my keys are going to change. And if you have good coaches and they say, trust your eyes, just pay attention to them. They're going to, these coaches know what they're doing most of the time. Um, we, we know there's some, some, some bad ones, <laughs> but they, they, they know what they're doing. So sometimes my keys would be, you're going to read the guard. Sometimes my keys were, I'm going to read the, the fullback. Sometimes my keys were read the back, like the, the opposite side back. So Beasley could have known, hey, on this play or this film study, you're not worried about the running back because we have, you know, this uh, defense tackle or this uh, linebacker, whoever, that's his responsibility. So I don't care if he does fake it, you're coming up and you're playing edge to sideline and and you, you see what I'm saying? So like you said, it could be his film study or it could just been coaching that like, I don't care if he hands it, that's not your responsibility you come up and play, and he did it. So it was great to see that. It was great instincts. It was a great open field tackle. But he had some homies there with him, which is great. You want to see people there with him. Like I said, Caleb was there, and it was either Tank or Trey. I don't know what safety was up and played it well. Well, then we come to the 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 halfback toss throw. I I understand why South Carolina was itching. It was like money. It was burning a hole in his pocket, that offense coordinator called that, because he had seen what all these other teams had done to us. I just thought it wasn't needed because it was only, I think, second down, and they had run the ball on as well. Now, I took a picture of this, and I'm going to send it to you. It's one of my pictures of the week. Our defense did a great, great job just on the run play. Like, when I – send you the picture it's awesome you see like one South Carolina or two South Carolina blockers and in, in the running back and we are littered you got Roman Harrison pushing you got Beasley coming you got a, a Lante Taylor's way up there taking on his block all you see is black jerseys and so it was like if it had been a run it was gonna be a TFL and then he does throw it and the the, the defensive backs were in good enough to position to make a play on it so it's on them for not executing better but we made the play and I truly think that play, and then us going down and scoring to make it the 21-7 to was really the game changer. And then the absolute nail on the coffin was when they fumbled and we come right back and go 28. These teams, like, it's been so funny these past two weeks that we have just hit these teams in the mouth and they don't, they can't, they don't, they can't recover. I mean, there's an entire three quarters left of football to play and they're like, well, this thing's fucking over. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's over. Yeah, it's, it's just like, it's just like, you can just tell, like, these other teams still try to play, but it's just, like, we everyone knows. It's like, this is over. And that's a wild thing to have that gut feeling and know it because college football is insane. We just saw it with Texas and Oklahoma this week. I mean, 
Oklahoma was down 28-7, and they came back. So these teams can score, but when you break somebody's will and you break them, and, and poor little Beamer was over there doing everything he could to get his team fired up, But and, and I, I respect that, but, like, game was over. Like, it was over, and, and I think that little – change of possession so I think that play by tank was was awesome um for me honestly uh, I think if they're 10 yards back like if they're not on the goal line that's a touchdown like if they would have ran it at the 15 and he leads them towards the back of the end zone it's a touchdown I think that like literally they ran out of room I agree yes but I, I agree only if it had to be better execution it had, like you said, it would have had to been a better throw. But yeah, I don't like where they called it there. So, um, so I, I, my Byron still flashed on some plays. Roman Harrison still flashed on some plays. I didn't really see Tyler Tyler Barron much. Um, Caleb showed again. Matthew Butler is still. I mean, I was. <laughs> I was happy to see Matthew got a chance to celebrate with the helmet off. Yeah. There's always hey, get that pretty always, face out there, yes. baby. Get that pretty face. People don't. I don't know if people really know, but like, it's kind of dope when your helmet pops off and you get to make a play. Like, I, I had I had one of them, and it was sick. I got, you know, like, and I'm not saying this like to brag or whatever. Like, people need to know that. Like, I know I wasn't anything special, so it's not a big deal. But in my little cool fantasy world, like, I stripped. I had a strip and forced a fumble, and my helmet comes off. And it just, it's just like a dope thing. And I'm like getting fired up. You can see my little like, you know, paint that I've done. Like, so I thought about that. And when Matthew, it was a stunt play. It was a cool stunt. And if, they love, by the way, they love bringing Roman and Byron Young inside for whatever reason. They love bringing them in. And, e- and, and, and e. they love it. Yes. Tackles and you know out what? and it's coming in. If I was, if, if I was, uh, you know, if Tim Banks wanted to hire me as a GA for a day, I would, I would say this. I would love to see where you put Roman on a pass play. It would really, really have to be like a third and 10, 11, 12 plus because I don't want them to be able to run it, even though I think these two guys would hold up. I would love to see Roman and Byron or Baron and Byron up as like your your A-gap, B-gap defenders, like almost like defense tackles, and put Butler and Blakely on the outside and then do the, the twist. I would love to see that because I think that's a nice little tink that you can do because you get Matthew Butler coming around on the inside and Jay Blakely, who once again, Blakely has been playing awesome football. Kudos to that guy. Um, I would just like to shake his hand back, man, I respect how you play the game. You play awesome. But if you can get those guys coming in, Ooh, on a nice little, like a nice little move, nice little get that steam going. And then you got Roman and Baron or Byron Young coming on the outside. I just, I think that would be a really cool wrinkle to see, but, Anyways, Matthew Butler, he does the twist. He gets outside. He uses his hands. He finishes. Helmet pops off. Ah, flexing on him. I love that. I was happy for him. Here's, um, a, here's another inkling of that twist that would be really nice. Is it's seen as, you know, the two guys on either side are twisting with each other. Yes, they're twisting. But have the two outside guys twist once they get inside. Sure. Yo, absolutely. Right. So right, it's like right. it's like it's like Roman and, and and Byron and Roman just takes out the center. Just I mean, your ear hole. Right. That's all yes. you're supposed and to then, do. Then, is yes. ear hole and Byron comes right off your butt. Right off his butt. Yes. And right yes. up in there. Or <laughs> yeah, let's go, baby. Reed's getting fired Follow us up. up or, we'll steam this up. Or what we call the Megatron Blitz. Or the Megatron game is what we called it when when I was playing is 
um, the tackles inside. Let's see. I'm trying to remember how this works. Yes. So the tackles inside twist together and the defensive ends twist, but they go to opposite ends right. of the thing. So it's like you're, you're just – you're coming off the butts of both of your tackles and getting to the edges. So it, everyone's twisting, and you're twisting with your tackles, but you're also twisting with your ends, and the tackles are twisting together. So that's why they right. call it Megatron. Like it's just like three twists in one. Just chaos. Just, just chaos. chaos. <laughs> and you need it on a long down because it has to be like a – five to seven yes. step drop by that quarterback like it has to the play has to progress for a while for it to work but when it does it's confusing as hell for an offensive was, lineman i'm telling you yeah i was gonna say it is a thing of beauty but i was about to say to you hey it, it takes a minute that one takes a <laughs> yeah. minute you know what i yeah. mean so um but uh but yeah i mean defensively just to kind of for me that's really like I said, I, I'm still happy, man. Off, uh, defensive line played well. Everybody hustled. I did think there were some people coming up trying to clean some people out. I saw Trey Flowers come up a couple times trying to clean some clocks. Oh, yeah. The and, one that was near the goal line before they scored their their third touchdown. Mm-hmm. The guy got a first. I mean, Flowers was running from 20 yards away. And, I mean, just, just laid it, that dude out. It was probably the most times I've seen him flash, to be honest with you, because I always felt like Trey was just steady Eddie, but he doesn't ever flash for me. And this was the first week I thought he flashed. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, defensively, off defense line I thought played great. Linebackers were still balling, doing their thing. They're still seeing it and shooting and playing fast and physical. And I was happy with how the corners played. That's all I need to say about defense. And we can jump into um, kind of old Miss – um, yeah. we, I usually don't do a good enough job of previewing because I'm not really watching that, but I watched a lot of this and it kind of ties into defense. I just think we're about to see so many deep shots and this week is going to be so important for the DBs, not only their actual play, but they're, they got to be really locked in mentally because Kiffin's good at what he does and, and they, we can't have any blown assignments. If they're going to beat us deep, Make it just where they made a good play. Don't be where we turn around and everyone's like, what the – how did he get so open? And you got yeah. one DB pointing at the other, and the other DB's hands up like, we can't – we can't – we're not we're not good enough yet to be doing that. Like, if they beat us, be be in a dude's hip pocket and just let him make a really good play. And, and, and you know, they get scholarships too. So, um, yeah, that, that's that, that's my thing. That's my well, thing. Yes, I definitely want to get an old Miss. I want to talk about the rest of the SEC and uh, the absolute madness that happened. Um, but the, the adjustments. So a lot of people were kind of upset, I guess, to say, you know, South Carolina's coaches did a better job adjusting at halftime. Um, you know, we, you know, our defense was not as good in the second half. Our offense wasn't as good in the second half. What, you know, why aren't we able to make adjustments? We kind of explained the offense, Right. We, you know, there was some stalled drives, but in no way was it pulling the reins. We still scored a touchdown in the second half, you know, towards the end of the game, but it was still a touchdown. Um, but it's like I, I want people to understand, like, when you're up 38 to 7, when you go into halftime, the coaches aren't telling you things that we need to change. 
they're saying, hey, we're going to keep doing the same stuff we're doing. Keep blocking it that way. Keep doing it that way. There's no adjustments. You've scored 38 points and you've only let up seven. Like, what adjustments are you making? If anything, it's very minor. It's not, you know, you're not changing game plans out there. So that's one side of it where South Carolina is making complete overhaul adjustments. They are changing everything. Tennessee's not. So really the adjustments that happen are after the first few drives of the second Bingo. Half. Then Thank you're you. making adjustments Thank as a team. Thank you. You're making and the adjustments off their adjustments. Exactly. And to say, like, the defense played bad in the second half, if you take away that punt, the fake punt touchdown, the defense let, had let up 149 total yards, stopped them on two fourth downs, and only gave up six points in the second half. I say that's a pretty damn good half. In no way would I be mad at a defense for doing that. So, hey, it's okay. Like, <laughs> adjustments didn't happen until third quarter was over by us. And we did pretty well after that, shutting them out, not letting them score, stopping them on two fourth downs, scoring ourselves with a backup, with our third string running back. So it's like, just, it's okay. It is okay. I- yeah, I saw the guy tweet you and say our defense is soft as Charmin right now. And I was like, God, like people and no, no, I like I, I love that that guy listens and that he reached out and please do it again. But like sometimes people just overreact like so so much. Like we're not going to be the Steel Curtain, you know, we're not going to be the '85 Bears. Like we're going to give up plays. Like it's you got to watch it as a whole sometimes and like wait wait till everything's a whole. And you and I love what you said because I always said the exact same thing. I'm like. I'm more disappointed in our offensive um, execution compared to the defense. So that's all I got though on that. Yeah, and that's not like a that's not like a call out to him being like, no, hey, dude, not at all. Wrong. I'm just like, hey, look, look, like yeah. this is my experience. This is what I went through. Like when we we're up forty to nothing on teams, it's like the coaches don't come over there and tell you to do anything different. They say keep doing exactly what you're doing. So you're not making adjustments at all. There's no second half adjustments at that point. Um, but yeah, let's jump into this can all coincide, right? The rest of the SEC and, you know, us playing Ole Miss because, and they showed the thing on the broadcast, but our next four opponents now. And I was wrong. I was wrong about this. I was wrong. I, when they showed it on ESPN, I was like, what the ESPN? You guys are wrong. That's not our schedule. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I kept saying, I kept saying we had to play Bama and Georgia back to back, but it's Ole Miss, Bama off week, Kentucky, Georgia, correct? Yes. Our next four opponents have a combined two losses, which is insane. This has to be the toughest schedule in, in the, in the country. I mean, maybe like Florida might be up there with us because they they also had to have to play Georgia and Bama and Kentucky, but it's I mean it's just it's it's ridiculous the amount that we always play the best teams when they are at their best. Um, and the other things around the SEC, the fact that Alabama lost, I mean we have to mention it on this podcast because of Alabama who they are. And because of the fact that I was on the fence about picking Texas A&M and you told me no, 
and I didn't, and I picked Bama to win, and they probably still will. But yeah, that's what I was about to say. I'm I'm still right. They're you're still A and M's A and A and M's not going to win the West. A and M's not going to win the West. You clown. I know you're still right. Bama will win the West, but you got to. I mean, you got to give props to Texas A and M because, like you thought, I mean, they were fake good. You cannot be fake good and beat Bama. I'm just really pissed off. I didn't even get to enjoy the fact that Bama lost. Like, I should have been cheering and fired up and super excited, but I had money on the game. So, yesterday, only only action I took all day is I did a, a three-team teaser. I teased Georgia down. Winner, I teased uh, Iowa up. Winner, and I had Bama. I'm like, well, oh, man, this is about to be a cool 100, 100 cheddar. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not worried. I'm not – dude, Texas A&M's looks terrible. And I, so I listen, yes, that. they did. They lost to Mississippi State last week, yeah. and they, but, but they could barely like, score all, any points versus Arkansas. So, yeah, they've and, looked and, anytime. And Reed put in yeah. all his bets at betonline.ag. You didn't even let me, you didn't even let me shout them out. But anyway, so, <laughs> so every time I've even seen anything remotely of AM, I'm like, they're garbage. They're, they're not good. Nothing I've seen impresses me. And of course, I hate Bama. And only time they ever, ever lose or don't cover for me, which I bet on them twice this year, both times we lose because I took them over. I teased them down against Bama or against Florida, lost that one. And so last night I'm like, these motherfuckers are really going to lose when I got money on them. And I got to watch some of it. And like you said, kudos to A&M, kudos to Jimbo and like all that. But like Texas A&M still a non-factor. Like Alabama is still going to win the West. And I'm just pissed. I didn't get to enjoy the – the fact that they lost. Yeah, know, but so. now – but I think I think a big part of it was the fact that Bama was playing at Texas A&M. I think the crowd noise, I think that, like, they were able to run very successful blitzes versus Bama. Yes. Which made a difference. And the adjustments that Bama made, the tapping – and this is offensive lineman right here telling you what's going on. The tapping by the guard on the center – is such a disadvantage because the guard has to turn around and look at the quarterback. I know. know. And he turns back, and the defense is completely different. He's like, well, shit. Like, this ball's about to be snapped. I just tapped this guy. And he's just trying to figure it out on the fly. And they took advantage of that and ran blitzes right down that guy's throat. And then second half comes around, and what do they do? Byron Young back there. Just claps, right? No more taps. Because – I'm sure the guy said to his coach, coach, they're literally lined up in different things when I turn around. And it's just like, that's, that's a little thing that people might not notice, but makes a huge difference as an offensive lineman. Um, but do you feel like with what Texas A&M did that people can take advantage of that versus Bama that, you know, possibly Hypo can see something that Jimbo did and we can have success versus them? Yeah, I mean, I went ahead and trusted Heupel anyways. I think that he'll be able to have some success and, and move the ball. I mean, if Florida moved the ball uh, on him, I think that I think that we can. Uh, I'm not saying as effectively or anything like that, but I, I definitely think that we can have some success. Yeah. Um, my biggest thing is I feel, I mean, we have to have an abs- – and I think it will be. I think it's going to be – the best atmosphere of the year, and I'm so juiced for Saturday. I cannot wait. But that's the kind of crap that we have to have for Kiffin, Corral, and, and you know, the whole 
the whole offense for Ole Miss. We have to be loud. We have to be rowdy because that stuff does make a difference. Um, but for me, Kyler, to answer your question, yeah, we can maybe have some success, but it still doesn't change the fact that, in my opinion, it is still going to come down to Bama and Georgia. Even though, even though I do have a little – I have a little small feeling that 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 Florida is gonna that Florida Georgia game is gonna be be pretty awesome. I, I think it. I think I I think Florida needs to have more of a shot than people are gonna give them credit for. Yeah, I think I think what running the ball does, which is what Florida does the most, they run the ball. They love running the ball. That's what they're good at. That's what makes their offense run. Running the ball in and of itself can beat a good defense because maybe passing the ball, you're scheming around the coverages, you're trying to disguise things, you're taking advantage of one-on-one. Running the ball is you moved a man against his will out of the way so your running back could get through. And that had nothing to do with the scheme, the, the defense ran, everything like that. Because the defense, when they line up, they're always lined up to where they have every gap in the run. A defense is always lined up in a way that, hey, we can stop the run if it is a run, but if it's a pass, then we have this. Like linebackers have, you know, A and B gap and a tackle has an A and a B and, you know, someone has a C, someone has a C. Like everyone has a gap on every play. So for you to run against somebody and run successfully, it is you – physically beating them up and nothing that they can do about it. So I do think it'll be a good game after this week. I do think that Georgia is better than Bama. I think if they both went out, which they most likely will and get an SEC championship, that Georgia will win that game. And Georgia will be the favorite in the college football playoffs. I still don't trust uh, Georgia's offense. So I just, I just, I know their defense. I trust their defense, but I think I still trust Saban uh, more than I trust Kirby Dumb. And so, I mean, I, I mean, I, I I'm, understand. Fine with, I'm fine with calling it a toss up, but I'm not, I would never say that I think Georgia has the advantage. I mean, well, so. the way I see it, yes, Saban is a better coach than Kirby always. Like, never going to pick Kirby over Saban in a, like just straight up coaching. But the weaknesses, of of Bama's defense that have been shown in these few games that you know Ole Miss yeah they scored they scored you know what 21 points versus Bama but they didn't execute right on some fourth downs which they could have uh Florida almost beating Bama scoring 29 you know Texas A&M getting 41 it's like Bama's defense isn't that great and Georgia's defense is good because the guys that are out there are very correct, and they correct. will be by far and away the best defense that Alabama is going to play all year. Like, Agreed. no one else is even close to that defense. So I think that that makes a difference. Where it's like that has nothing to do with with Kirby and Georgia has had success the past two weeks beating up on Arkansas. Um, would they play? Who'd they play this week? They I think Auburn. Auburn beating up on Auburn with a backup quarterback. So, I mean, when JT Daniels is in there, then it's probably even more successful as an offense. I know you're saying like you don't necessarily trust their offense, 
But sometimes you don't even need an offense to win games. That's why I say defense wins championships, which is why I have more confidence in them than I do in Bama at this point. All right, we'll see. We'll see. All right, let me let me talk a little bit about old piss. Okay. <laughs> Did you say old so, piss? Yeah. So <laughs> I watched them a good amount. And someone actually sent me a screenshot earlier today. And I actually think on ESPN Tennessee, I have not seen the spread, but Tennessee's actually favored on the ESPN game predictor. I think we're at like 52 or 53%. And uh, Ole Miss is like 47, 48%. That's a, that's awesome that, that, that says that. I'll, I want to see what Vegas says. I mean, that's an insane stat saying that Ole Miss just beat a ranked team. Correct. 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 Now, it, this, everyone knows it's going to be a, 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 an offensive game. And for me, if we don't have any misassignments defensively or any big, big misassignments that really hurt us, it's going to come down to which defense just makes one stop and it doesn't necessarily have to be a turnover. We all know that Kiffin loves his ego and he loves to go for it on fourth downs. And if he does that early, or if he does it, you know what? If he does it early, then then and we stop it, that's going to really help us keep the momentum and jump out on him. If he does it late, it could be the, the deciding factor in the game if we can get a stop there. So I was really hoping that Arkansas's defense would be able to slow them down more, and I thought that they would be able to slow them down a little bit more, but they didn't. And so I was, I was, I was a little like, dang, man, like I was hoping Arkansas would put up some resistance and, and, and Matt Corral and Kiffin, they scored when they needed to. They scored when they had to. And it does make me nervous. Um, but the thing for us is their defense doesn't scare me at all. And if they come out in that same three-man front, I think we're going to gash them. It was so funny watching that game late when it was getting down to the nitty-gritty. And it's like, okay, well, what does is, what is Ole Miss do? What does Ole Miss do? They air it out. They throw it. They do a, a, a double move, beat a guy, score. You know, Kiffin throws this thing because he's an ego, ego man. And he wants all the attention on him. What, is, what does Arkansas do? They play their game. They say, okay, we need to score in a minute 30. Run, draw, little little pass here, run. And they're just gashing Ole Miss, bro, on the runs. I mean, 15, 20, 30 yards a clip. Yeah. If Tyon Evans is healthy and, and Jabari Small's healthy, whew, I mean, we're going to be able to run it and we're going to be able to control it. So as long as we don't have – any really, really bad mistakes offensively and, and, and shoot ourselves in the foot, whether penalties or turnovers, and we can get Kiffin to give us one fourth down or, or Corral or someone else can give us one turnover, I really, really like the chances. But my yeah, biggest yeah, I, thing I, – I'm, I'm, I know what you're saying, like with the turnover on downs is fourth down, but I'm really hoping our defense takes into account – like really – tries to create turnovers like makes an effort to do it no it's like um you have to approach approach it in a different way where as a defense yes you're trying to stop them yes you're trying to prevent him from scoring yes you're trying to hold him to zero points that's the defense's ultimate goal but knowing who Lane Kiffin is knowing who this offense is knowing how talented they are you have to almost realize hey they're gonna score some points yeah Let's get them when they're not expecting it. And when a guy thinks he's open and thinks he's going to score, come from behind, punch that ball out, rip at it. 
just try and create turnovers, try and do, try and get the ball on the ground as much as possible. And it, it reminds me of, you know, and you, you, you quote tweeted on the volume account, but that Malik Foreman play versus Texas A&M 2016, where he runs buddy down and punches that ball out and it goes out the back of the end zone. I mean, one of the greatest defensive plays I've ever seen Malik if you can believe it, UT fans out there was the fastest guy on our team at that moment. We you literally used to do 20-yard sprints after practice against everyone, and there was like eight groups, and if you won your group, then you got to go up to the next group, and if you, if you were the last one in your group, you had to go back a group. So, like, linemen were always like seven or eight just going back and forth, and then Malik – was the fastest. He was the fastest guy in the fastest group every week. And, you know, coming from Dobbins Bennett might not have been like the most talented guy, but he's going to give you full effort at all times. I mean, some of that stuff that coach, coach Jones coached was good, you know, lessons for people. Obviously we've talked about it before, just, you know, the BS that he spilled, but like, having 63 effort, you know, seeing three things of effort on a six-second play. That's what it meant, 63 effort. Like having that kind of effort coached into guys and not showing that you're tired, like really made a difference. And like that was one of the most impressive plays I've ever seen. (laughs) What What are you thinking? Well, you know how I feel about it. You know how I feel about it. I mean, it's it's one of my, like I said, one of my favorite plays in sports, you know, ever. Like like I said earlier to start the pod, Al Wilson's my favorite football player ever. To to go along with you know like Cortland Finnegan and 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 Jarrell Casey and some of those guys and just how those guys played and how Malik played the game. Like back, I don't keep up with I hell I keep up with recruiting more now than ever just because of this podcast and I still don't really keep up with it. So like. I didn't know much about Malik. I just saw that I thought he was swaggy. I always saw 13 running around out there playing hard. I always respected how he played, and I liked him. But when he takes off, and and he was not in great position. He was not like a safety coming across from a good angle. He was getting blocked and still took off and hawked Buddy. And I forget that running back's name, but that running back was a hell of a player and was a good, good player. And to do that, I mean, it's funny. It's like, it's like football is like an art to you and I, like we love it. Like we, it's one of our favorite things in the entire world. And so like, when you see that, it's almost like just the most beautiful art you've ever seen. It's like, you want to like hug him or like cry or just be like, you hang know, in the Louvre, baby, hang in the Louvre. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it was just, it was special. It was special. And to tie that in, you're right. People don't need to be upset about our defense this week. If we give up, three or 400 or, you know, 370 to 420 or 500 yards rushing. I mean, a total offense. They need to be proud if if we win that game 45 to 42. And it's because, you know, Tank Tank McCullough catches a tip pass or a batted ball from, from a defensive lineman or, you know, or, or uh, – Theo Jackson is in the right place at the right time and they throw it to a tight end and he lets it bounce off his chest and we, we just make the play. It's, it's all about winning the game and it's all about bend but don't break. Play for 60 minutes. Play until the ball is 
100% across the goal line, never quit, and don't beat this defense up, you know, just just bend but don't break and see if they can give us one or two change of possessions or turnovers, and and that's that's what we need. So, um, like I said, it's going to be rowdy. It's going to be incredible. I hope everybody's there. I can't wait to be there. Yeah. I really, really hope for this team that uh, that they can play their best ball. You know what I mean? Like, I hope that they can put it together this week. Another sign, by the way, when you started the podcast, are we a good football team? A sign of a good football team and a good program is we're getting better every week. And I, I'm so happy that I'm seeing that with this coaching staff. And, um, you know, just let's just go out. It's going to be a 60-minute battle. And let's, let's freaking, hey, just don't check the scoreboard. You just play like Malik played and – let the, let the chips fall where they may. Um, I do have a few shout-outs. This is not as many as I would have liked because I had to write these down. I, I usually, now that I'm at my parents' house, I can grab my mom's phone and read through the different stuff. But uh, Brian McDermott, hi, the fact that someone says this is the highlight of their week, how I feel like when I'm at the work and I, and I get to listen to my favorite podcast and it helps me get through the work week and I'm laughing or I'm hearing cool X's and O's, and the fact that someone says that about us two jabronis, it's it's incredible. It's incredible. And it's I know insane. You still- I and, and before you get to the, like, I had someone. I was literally waiting in line to get a beer at the at the game, and guy just goes, "Hey, love the podcast, man." I was like, "Oh my god, thank you!" Like you did, like you didn't recognize me for being a player or for being a VFL. Like you recognize me for my podcast. Like it it makes me feel so good that that us being on here and talking football and just literally having a good time together can entertain other people and, and they enjoy it also. Like it, it's such a, it's honestly a blessing, honestly. It, it's, it's a, it's a major blessing and uh, it's something I'll never forget no matter how long we do this for or what happens with it. It's funny. Like Sunday comes around and I'm like, I got to rewatch the game. I got to take notes. And then I get into it and I'm doing it and I enjoy it. And then, like, but Wednesday when it comes out and I know that other people are enjoying it, it just makes it all worth it. And so uh, we're going to get as many people as we can. Like I said, I anticipated having my mom's phone so I could just read through a majority of your guys. So don't think we're leaving you out. We, we appreciate all of them. But Brian McDermott saying that, uh, Roy uh, Orbis, Orbison, uh, he said, looking forward to this since the game ended. That's how I feel sometimes about certain uh, things and all that. Uh, Brent Fisher um been looking he also said he's been looking forward to it this man also almost straight up predicted the score perfectly he said 44 to 20 and it was 45 to 20 and let me just say this mr fisher i don't know why you even went with 44 it's not even like i I don't see many football (laughs) games so just 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 go up one more point to 45 and and you're like I don't know, like yeah, I don't, I don't know why you got forty four. Do you think there's gonna be a safety or something? Like I, I mean, know. just go pick, go pick some lottery numbers, bro. That's really impressive. Um, we got Connor uh, Mickley, maybe. Uh, you guys are uh, so fun to listen to. I mean, uh, Big Blade, he loves the point of view from from a former player and says keep up the good work. Austin Pack, love the pod. We we love you guys. Like, and then B Hunter says great pod and. I, I didn't get to write down who it was name-wise, but he said the general Ch- Chow's chicken needs to be refilled on the buffet. Touche to you. <laughs> so, so I will make sure to go get the sweet and sour chicken as well. 
Oh God, that's good. People that's are gonna be people fun. are gonna be you're, you're, off the you're officially stuff. like your nickname is gonna be like General Chow from now yeah, on. Yeah, J- James Gentry, man. He 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 set the whole tone for the pod. Yeah. Everybody's getting after you now. Um, okay. So before we leave, as we didn't do it last week and someone asked for it, let's name some guys to watch this week. I have a feeling who you might head towards on defense. So my defensive guy, I am going to say um, – I'm going to say I, – I really want to say a defensive lineman because of Matt Corral's mobility. I think it's going to be very important to have him be distressed. And also, if he takes off, stopping him for a minimal game. Because a lot of the, like everybody's back in coverage, they're not going to be able to come up. He can easily gain ten yards if he gets past the defensive line. And I'm trying to think. I think it will be more important as D tackles than it will be defensive ends. So I do want to call out Matthew Butler and just say this is a very important game for him it, to be able to stay in his rush lane, get pressure up in Matt Krause's face and not let him run straight up through the defense. Have him roll out if he has to roll anywhere. If he has to run, have him roll out. It, you know, splits the field in half. It, it's it's a better scenario. So I'm going to ask that of Matthew Butler as my, as my player to watch on defense. And then on offense, if it, if it does – come down to I mean I think we're gonna be able to do whatever we want on offense if it does come down to it to where Tyon and uh small are out then white hat whitehead and and right like one of you guys has to step up like it it is whitehead can't just run to the a gap like he's gotta he's gotta be a dynamic player just like he was in high school he's the reason why he's here it's the reason why these guys get recruited I got to see some dynamic playmaking from him uh, moving forward. Now, hopefully, Tyon and Small are healthy. Hopefully, at least one of them is, but maybe they're not. So, someone's got to step up. So, that, those are my guys to watch for. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? Uh, defensively is uh, Burrell and uh, and Alante uh, Taylor. That's, that's, that's the only people I can. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm go- I want. I need both of them to play to play well. Um, they, they got. They're going to be tested, and they got to step up. I'm okay if you give up one or two. It's fine. Like, but you got to make us a play here or there. You can't get PIs and all that garbage. Offensively, it's Hendon Hooker. Actually, um, this is going to be the most important game for him because South Carolina game's over early. Missouri game's definitely over early. We haven't. This team has not been in a back and forth since really Pitt, I mean, it was back and forth with, with Florida until maybe third quarter, but this, I, I really expect this game to be a fourth quarter game coming down to the wire. So like I need Hendon to take care of the ball. I need no turnovers and it's, it's going to be a Hendon versus Matt Corral. When Matt, when Matt does something, you got to come and answer him. So those are mine. Uh, I'm done talking. I'm ready to go eat. Yeah. This is a, this is a good game for Hendon to show who he is. Cause I mean, Matt has seen as, you know, one of the Heisman candidates, like, Hey, how can you compete against him? So I think that's a I think that's a good one to watch for. Um, all right, appreciate you guys listening 
watching, commenting, liking, following, reviewing, all that good stuff. Like Reed said, shout out a couple guys. Um, it, it, it's literally the best feeling in the world to, to f- feel the support from you all. So please keep it up. Um, follow us on social media at Kyler Kerbison, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at rbacon26 on Twitter, uh, at Believe in Tennessee on Twitter. Uh, if you want to contact us or ask us questions, feel free to do it in the comments section on YouTube, comments on all of our Twitters, or you can email us at uh, Believe in Tennessee Football at gmail.com or uh, text or call 865 322 9232. And we will answer those and, and let you guys know. Um, I just really appreciate it. That's that's all I really want to say. That that's where I want to come from. And I think I hope you guys can gain some knowledge from this, gain some entertainment from this, and be happy of where this program is at. So uh, as always, no balls. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.